Hello, beautiful souls. You're listening to the Angels and Awakening podcast. I'm your host and angel medium, Julie Jancis. As this episode airs, we are in the midst of COVID-19. Friends, this is tough stuff. There is discomfort and frustration for some, loss and grief for others. And while we're not here to minimize anyone's pain, in the midst of all of it, there is also beauty, love, grace, and compassion in the coming together, kind actions, and rebuilding. We can all see so clearly now that what impacts just one person on one side of the world can impact everyone everywhere. We feel oneness and empathy for one another like never before. This is a massive shift, a global awakening. Allow it to shift and awaken you. Know that as you do, we're here for you, to pray with you, to share your stories, to shine some light, and to help in any way we can as you heal. If you'd like to work one-on-one with me, book a distance session, or take the Angel Reiki School online to develop your own unique spiritual gifts. If you want to hear, feel, and connect with your personal angels more clearly, take my online Angel Communication e-course. Your angels want me to tell you that you're going to be okay. They want you to put together your own spirit team here on earth, a team of people and resources who can help you in every area where you need support. And we hope that you'll make us a part of your earthbound spirit team. Thank you for being here. Thank you for letting us be part of your healing journey. Now let's dive into the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Angels and Awakening podcast. I am here today with author Mike Robbins. Mike is the author of several books. Just wait until you hear these titles. Bring Your Whole Self to Work. Nothing changes until you do. Be Yourself. Everyone Else is Taken. I love that one. Focus on the Good Stuff. And his newest book, We're All in This Together, which is just like the most amazing title that this is coming out next week, Mike, right? Yeah, as we're recording this next week. So by the time people hear this, it'll probably already be out. (laughs) You are correct. You know what I love about Spirit so much is that they bring healers and I, I see healers as being in every facet of work in this world. They bring healers through what people are going to be going through first mm. so that they are able to teach so that they are able to help lead everyone else. And I think that's a message right in your book title. We're all in this together, um, which was scheduled to be released May of 2020 before all of this happened. Right, right. Well, you know, what's interesting. I appreciate you saying that, Julie. You know, when I wrote this book last year, you know, the focus of it is the subtitle is creating a team culture of high performance, trust and belong. A lot of the work that I do and have done for many years, while it focuses on a lot of personal stuff, um, I work with a lot of teams, a lot of organizations bring me in. And so I've, I've really studied kind of what are some of the dynamics that make teams work and thrive versus not. And the secondary reason though, that I wrote the book and really wanted it to come out at this particular time was because of the level of divisiveness that we've seen in our country and our world over the last couple of years. Again, it's not a new phenomenon. It's existed for a long time, but it seems as though it's reached a bit of a fever pitch. And I wanted to share in the book 
some thoughts, some ideas, some perspectives that I've learned over the course of my life and in my work and from my perspective on how we can find common ground and really come together. Um, one of the things I say throughout the book is there is no them, it's all us. And that's a phenomenon of great teams. That's a phenomenon of really healthy cultures. And of course, I had no idea this book was going to come out in the midst of a global pandemic where literally everybody on the planet is uttering this phrase because it's true, right? We're all in this together. And I'm like, I'm sitting on the couch elbowing my wife going, someone else just said it. The Queen of England just said it. The President of the United States just said it. And we're like, okay, this is weird because, you know, the book is clearly not about how we manage through a global pandemic, but what it is about is how we lean on each other and how we support one another and how we remember that whatever we're doing, and we've all done this, and you know this, and not even just in terms of physical beings, but also in terms of spirit and guides on the other side. Like we're not operating alone, even though sometimes our five senses tell us that. There's so much more happening all the time. And our job is to tap into that and remember that and not believe the lie that we're separated or that we're disconnected. At 100%. So let's dive into this first topic. I mean, there's so much that I want to get through with you because you've got so much like nuggets of gold to give other people. Mm. I want to dive into this topic because I've seen the divisiveness too. We all have over the last two years, but I mean, you're really seeing, I I didn't think that the divisiveness could get even higher, but if you're on Facebook right now, you're seeing it at a maxed out point even Mm -hmm. more. Give us your best tips on (laughs) how we, because my clients have been coming to me over the last week saying, I have never deleted more people or or like blocked more people on Facebook. And that's not the answer, right? Right. So how do we come together? Look, it's tricky. I mean, I, I struggle with it myself. I think most people I know struggle with it. You know, the issues that we're debating, that we're fighting with each other about, they're important issues. So this is not some Pollyanna, like, let's all hold hands and make sure it's all fine and and play nice. I think it's really deep personal work. It's really deep spiritual work for us to, there was something I saw online. I don't know if it was an article or a book that somebody wrote, but I just saw it briefly and it said, I disagree with you, but I'm listening. Yes. And and to me as as a spiritual practice for many years, and I've been very politically involved my whole life. I come from a very political family. You know, and I grew up in a part, I live in the San Francisco Bay Area. So like everyone that I know and everywhere I grew up in, mean, everyone leans very far to the left. Like I try to explain to people how liberal the place where I grew up in is like the Democratic Party was considered the extreme right wing where I grew up. Like that'll just give you a sense <laughs> of, right? Just so you have some perspective. Now that's that's a long way to say though, I have over the course of my life and in my work as I travel around the US and around the world, I interact with people from very different backgrounds and political persuasions. And one of the things that I love to do is read and watch media from people who think very differently than I do. I love to engage in conversations with people who have different political views than I do, because while I found it, I find it challenging and uncomfortable sometimes, I also learn a lot. There's a story that I share in the book about sitting on an airplane and ending up in an argument with this guy, which isn't usually the way it goes down, but he started sort of yelling at me and we got into this very intense conversation on a flight from Fort Lauderdale to New York when I was on the road speaking a couple of years ago. And one of the things I share in that story, I mean, he and I were going back and forth and, and, and he was calling me names and we're debating and debating and debating. And finally, at the, towards the end of the conversation, I just said, look, I asked him, I said, do you have children? And he said, uh, yeah. And I said, I have two, you know, two daughters. 
our girls, Samantha and Rosie are now 14 and 11. This was a couple of years ago. So they were a few years younger. And I said, uh, and he told me he had four kids. He was a bit older than me. So his kids were a bit older. He said his oldest was 30 and the other three were in their twenties. And I said, look, as hard as I try to be a good father and make, make good decisions and give my girls good advice and do all the right things. I said, I worry sometimes that I'm messing up or screwing them up. Or I said, do you ever worry about that? Or did you worry about that when your kids were younger? And he looked at me kind of weird, like, well, he said, yeah, sure. I mean, I think every parent feels like that at some point. And I said to him, I said, look, maybe, you know, we're arguing about all these things going on in the world and in the country. And I said, as strong as I believe all the things I was saying, and you obviously see things very differently than I do. I said, maybe some of these issues are so complex that I don't totally understand them. And I'm not a hundred percent sure what the right thing is in the same way that I sometimes doubt myself as a father. And he looked at me kind of like, that was a really weird thing to say, but he kind of sort of agreed and didn't really know how to respond. And then the conversation kind of ended. But what I felt in that moment, I don't think he and I convinced each other to change any of our political opinions or beliefs, but it was a moment in a 45 minute long, very odd conversation to have on an airplane with someone where I was able to find some common humanity and common ground for us as human beings, father to father, human to human. And that's a long way to answer your question of one of the things that we can do is start to look for how do I find common ground with other people, especially people maybe I disagree with, and then how can I speak from a place of truth and authenticity, not a place of fear, reaction, or self-righteousness? Because when we come from that place, you can't influence people from that place. If what we're trying to do is influence, you can't really engage in a healthy dialogue or debate from that place because all you're doing is point, counterpoint, trying to one up each other. And eventually that's where we just say, and I understand it, the feeling of I'm just going to block that person. I'm just going to delete them because Facebook, by the way, is the worst place to have a political debate as we've all (laughs) learned, right? Let's not do it there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have to say that what you just said resonates so much and just really hit me in my heart center because. I could just feel the love and I could feel your compassion and just um, the way that you feel oneness with all people and how you brought that into that conversation on that plane is just incredible. Yeah. And you know, I I don't know if it's a naivete on my part. I don't think so, but the way, and, and I don't mean this to sound all holier than thou, because look, I mean, I can be as critical and judgmental as the next person, but one of the things, and maybe some of it's how I was raised and where I was raised and some of the challenges that I went through as a kid and just growing up in the environment in which I grew up, but I've always struggled to fully understand. I mean, I get it mentally, but this notion of us and them, this notion of kind of in-group and out-group, and, and, and look, I've felt like most people have felt at times outside the norm or excluded or weird or whatever all that is, but, but the most people, and I don't mean to oversimplify the complexity of diversity in our country and in our world, But as I've traveled around the world, as I've experienced things from the time I was a kid when I didn't travel at all, but grew up in a really diverse environment, I feel like it's important for us to understand and try to appreciate the differences that we have, which is an ongoing lifelong journey for all of us. And at the same time, I do genuinely feel a sense of oneness with other human beings, with other people, because you know, there's that notion, and I've heard it said a lot, but it's really hard to hate people up close. Like when you get up close to other humans, Mm -hmm. even if they're really different and you don't understand and it seems kind of crazy, but like you start to really listen and we start to what I like to say is lower the waterline on the iceberg. You start to realize like, oh, there's like a living, breathing, thoughtful human being over there who just might happen to 
come from a different place or think of things differently than I do or have a different set of values. But like, they're probably not waking up in the morning and go, you know what I'm going to do? I'm really going to irritate that person. I'm really going to drive them crazy. I'm going to, no, they're just like doing the best they can with everything, all the raw materials they have. They're just trying to make their way through the world as best as they possibly can. Just like me, just like you, just like all of us. Yeah. It's interesting to feel that um, exactly what you just said, but to feel it energetically when you're working with people as an energy healer, bringing through messages, because you can get into somebody's energy and there isn't anything but empathy and compassion that comes through from the other side. So no matter how much you want to hate somebody, or disagree with somebody or dislike what they did, you can go into their shoes energetically and you can look at all of the experiences that they endured and realize that they're coming from things in a completely different place than oh, totally. you would ever imagine. Sometimes, you know, I mean, I, I've often, you know, this is like a, a mental construct, but one of the things I've tried to do over the years in my own journey of healing, like with my parents and just in general, when I really get stuck with another person and I'm having a hard time having empathy or compassion, it's, you know, imagining them as a child, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether it's a small child, four or five years old, or even like early adolescence and just remembering how challenging that time was in my own life, as I think it is for most of us. And just thinking, oh, like, I wonder what they were like when they were 12 or 13 going through that awkward phase <laughs> of adolescence, you know, or, or whatever. And, and I think, again, it's just trying to get in touch with that common humanity. You know, something that I've written about in most of my books, because it's been so significant in different ways. I've had a series of pretty significant losses in my life with both of my parents passing away. Um, and my sister, Lori, died a few years ago from cancer. And, and as painful as those experiences were for me personally, and anybody listening who's gone through a significant loss knows that experience, I also found it to be incredibly healing and transformational and also connected me at a deeper level with humanity because par- part of that pain and, and ultimately even that suffering of grief that we all experience as human beings. I mean, I think one of the things that's happening right now in the midst of this pandemic is like we're grieving all the loss, all the different levels of loss. I mean, people are grieving the actual loss of people who are dying, but the loss of life as we know it, the loss of activities from, hey, I can't go to the movies to I'm missing my graduation to, you know, my book launch got completely up- upended to you name it. I mean, it's thing upon thing upon thing. And, and I do feel like no matter how rich anyone is, no matter how what they look like, no matter how old are you. I mean, the experience of loss is a universal human experience. And while painful, there's also a lot of beauty in it, I think, even though in our Western American culture, we sort of like to put it off to the side and sort of act like it doesn't happen, but it does. Mm -hmm. And for me, one of the things that's come out of those losses is just a deeper empathy and appreciation for the human experience. And that, you know, it's like even... Even people, again, that I disagree with and have a really hard time understanding or relating to, it's like, oh, they have people in their life that they love, that if they lost, they would be really sad in the same way that I would. And you know what I mean? Like, it sounds pretty basic, but to me, it's it's profound for us to think of things that way. Mm-hmm. Very much so. So how are you and your family adjusting and what kind of situations? Because I know that we've gone through it here in my household where, you know, 
just one example is uh, my husband and I, we love to go for bike rides. We used to do it all the time um, before my daughter was born. And we were so excited for this summer because now she's at that age where she could ride without training wheels. Right. And yet she doesn't like to ride a bicycle. Oh. Not her thing. Right. How, <laughs> how old is she? Nine. <laughs> Nine. Yeah. They don't get, they don't always get all the memos of the things they're supposed to like, right? I keep t- telling my girls, you don't like what? Come on. We like those things. They're like, yeah, no dad, we don't. Sorry. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So my husband and I got to this point where we're like, oh my gosh, it just dawned on us that we had been asking her to participate in what we wanted to do and keep like asking her to participate. And we were getting frustrated when she yeah. wasn't. And it dawned on us, oh, but we haven't asked her what she wants to do. Right. That's good. Yeah. That's really, and that's so important, I think, with our kids, our spouses, our coworkers in general, is that like we do tend to project onto others into the world our expectations of what they're supposed to like or not like, as opposed to just asking. And the, the tricky thing is, though, in a family, right? It's like, oh, we all have different desires, things we like, things we don't like. And right now, as you know, those of us who are fortunate enough to have families and to be healthy and to be home, even if it's stressful and challenging, you know, we're all having to sort of recalibrate the way we operate yeah. as, as a family, like in our house. So we have, Michelle and I have two daughters, Samantha's 14 and Rosie's 11. And, you know, I would say overall, I'm pleasantly surprised with how we've been responding so far. We've been, I mean, as, as you and I are, are recording this, we, we've been home sort of on quarantine since March 13th. Mm-hmm. Um, here in California, things kind of shut down a little bit sooner than a few other places in the country, just based on the fact that we had some early cases of the virus here and um, our local mayors and the governor just kind of came in. And it seemed at the time a little extreme, but we trusted their wisdom and it's so far been playing out uh, from what we see from the numbers relatively good. But basically, we haven't been around other human beings in a long time. And it's been interesting. You know, I mean, again, fortunate that even with the challenge of it, I can do some of my work remotely and from home, although it's changed a lot of what I do. I mean, the vast majority of what I do and how I make money is going out in the world and speaking to groups in person. So that's obviously changed quite a bit. Um, So being on Zoom, which I wasn't always on Zoom all the time, I'm on Zoom quite a bit now. But, you know, and and at home, I mean, the girls are doing school remotely like most kids are in the country, which has been an interesting challenge. And, uh, you know, I mean, we have our moments where we all get, you know, crazy with each other. And we're also really fortunate and blessed. And this was not always the case for our family and for how I grew up. Like, we live in a beautiful home that has some space so we can get away from each other. You know, I feel for people who have babies and toddlers and they're in an apartment and they're all on top of each other and nowhere to go. Like, Yes. Gosh, I, you know, and whenever, I mean, again, I try to both simultaneously give myself permission to get stressed and frustrated and annoyed and all the normal human re- responses. And at the same time, try to have some perspective mm-hmm. when I realize, you know, in the midst of all of this, it's not ideal. And it definitely wasn't what I planned. You know, I saw a, a, a post, I think it was on Facebook that basically said, hey, 2020, none of this, you know, what was on my vision board. You know what I mean? And I'm like, yeah, no kidding. Jeez. <laughs> Um, I reposted that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was awesome. I know. It made me laugh out loud because I think we do have to try in the midst of as, as horrible and, and terrible as a lot of this is to also have some 
you know, lightness and levity and humor in the midst of it. Cause it's just, you know, Michelle and I at least once a day look at each other and just go, this is crazy. And I know. And then we kind of sort of laugh and we're exacerbated and then we just move on to the next thing we got to go do. That's so funny. I think that's so, that's so perfect. And you know, what we've done in our household too is I think, you know, having different conversations with clients, what I've come to realize is that there is this loss and this grief like you were talking about. And part of it is just the loss of choice, you know, of just like the loss of before we had all these different options and we could choose and we could go out and do anything anytime. And now we don't have all of that freedom of just choice. So what we've done and we had this conversation even with our nine-year-old is just saying, this is what we're all feeling and this is why, because we're not able to choose. So each of us has needs as individuals and we're all going to honor one another's needs by saying once a week, what is it that you want to do? Right. You know, what is it that you want to do? And making sure that everybody gets that kind of fill. I love that. Well, you know, what's funny. It's funny you brought up the bike riding thing before because we're not huge bike riders in our house for what it's worth, but we did just recently... I got a new bike. Michelle got a new bike. We got Samantha a new bike. And then she often, Rosie has the hand-me-down from Samantha because she's the younger sister, right? But it's funny. So we have these nice new bikes, but we live on a hill. And our girls have been, since we moved here a couple of years ago, whining, we don't like ride up the hill and all right. So anyway, we just did kind of, you know, it wasn't a huge thing. Like you and your husband love riding. Like for us, okay, we could take it or leave it. But what's been interesting, I just use this as an example, is the last couple nights we went on a family bike ride a couple nights ago and then I went out with the girls last night and we went on a ride at, at sunset. And it was actually just really sweet because I realized there's been a number of things and, and maybe you and people listening can relate. There's been a number of things that I have found us doing or things happening here in our house over the last you know month or so as this has been going on that would not have been happening otherwise you know, the games of cards and Scrabble and different things that it's like, oh, it's kind of in some ways, I I know that that frustration of not having the choice has been hard, but there's a weird part of it, not all the time. And I wouldn't even say often, but there's a weird part of it to me that's like, well, it's kind of nice. It just eliminates all these other choices (laughs) and like, okay, we got to do this. That's all we got. You know what I mean? And and I keep saying too, it's like, thank goodness it's not 1975, right? Because then we would have like three board games and two or three TV channels and like... Or 1918, you know? Oh, I know. Think about that. Yes. I mean, they had nothing. And I mean, all of the modern advances that we have, that we're sitting home watching Netflix and we're able to communicate, right? You and I can still have this conversation on Zoom and record it and people can listen to it on these incredible devices anywhere in the world. Like, how remarkable is that? That people can... Like, I've... Even someone who writes books, I don't actually love to write. I really like to talk and I like to speak, but I've in the last four weeks have created more content, written content, audio content, video content than I ever have in a one month period in my life because I'm at home and I have lots of stuff going on, but I also have a lot to say and a lot I want to try to put out that I'm hoping is helpful to whoever hears it or sees it or reads it. And so in some ways, again, like, I I didn't wish this, I don't think any of us wished this, but it's like, there's so many potential benefits and blessings and opportunities in the midst of this. Mm -hmm. As long as we're continuing to be real about the experience, I think we can get to those opportunities in a more genuine way. Oh, I love that. I love that. So let's talk about, you know, people and how we can use those opportunities right now to maybe even 
go inward, look at ourselves and look at how we can build ourselves up in the way that we want to be. It's a great restart, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I remember years ago, a therapist said to me, I was going through a really tough time personally. And she said, Mike, don't waste a good crisis. And I said, what? And she said, look, you're going through a really difficult time. It's super painful. I'm not trying to minimize it or sugarcoat it, but don't waste this opportunity. And I was like, what are you talking about? This is terrible. I just want to be out of this pain. Will you like, it felt almost disrespectful what she was saying, but she said, look, one way or the other, you know, literally, I mean, she was one of the, unless you decide to kill yourself or something really terrible happens, you are going to get through this. I know it doesn't seem like it right now, but there will be another side of this thing. Promise me, I've worked with depressed people for a long time. We do move through it. That said, she said, look, there are two, there are two different ways to go through it. You can just like survive your way through it, or you can open your mind and open your heart and open yourself to this experience so that you can be a bigger, stronger, better version of yourself on the other side of this. And, you know, I don't know that I totally understood or agreed with her in that moment, just given the state that I was in, but I did hear what she said. And I think about that and have thought about that over the course of my life at different times, even thinking about grieving. Like, when I've gone through some pretty significant experiences of grief in my life, they've been really painful, they've been hard and challenging. And as I was saying earlier, they've been transformational and there's been a lot of growth. And so what I try to do, and again, I don't mean this to sound, look, we got to be careful because there is the spiritual bypass that we can all do. Oh, it's all good. It's all for the purposeful good or it's all meant to be. There's a silver line. Like, okay, not only is that disrespectful to people who are really suffering, it's also not acknowledging the experience that we're having. Now, that's not to say I don't have moments of joy and bliss and excitement right now. I do. But I also like, I think if we're open to the experience it's a pretty intense emotional roller coaster for most of us, which would make sense. But I do think we can open our minds and open our hearts to the experience so that asking the question that I love to ask and learned many years ago, instead of why is this happening to me or to us, why is this happening for me or for us, right? Even, even like as I was saying earlier, again, we didn't choose it. We're not saying it's all good. What we're saying is this is happening, right? Byron Katie says, when you argue with reality, you lose, but only 100% of the time. So instead of arguing with the reality of it, like surrendering to this experience, this is what it is. Okay. How do I learn to have more patience? How do I learn to have more acceptance, right? And what might I be able to develop at this time? And maybe sometimes what I need to develop is like the ability to do nothing and feel unproductive and right. just sit on the couch and watch, you know, some TV show, five, 10 episodes at a time, whatever, and then get up and go, eh, I don't feel so good. Maybe I should move around now. But you know what I mean? Like that for some of us, myself included, like that can be a breakthrough. Oh, maybe I don't have to be working like all the time right. um, or whatever the case may be. Or maybe I'm like, have some creative energy all of a sudden that now I'm going to get to some creative project. My, my wife, Michelle, has been like, reorganizing the whole house and like, I'm like, babe, she's like, I know, I don't know. I'm just going with it. And I'm like, you go, you know, <laughs> but whatever it is. I mean, again, if we got to channel our energy in certain directions, yes. um, you know, so let's talk about those because I, 
I totally see where you're coming from. I've kind of been on the opposite end of the spectrum where I think I was doing too much before Mm. in my life. And this has been a a breakthrough for me to say enough. Like I have to reprioritize. I have to um, scale back to my top couple, three priorities and refocus a little bit, which is fantastic. And I think it's such a blessing that I'm able to do that. But I'm able to do that because I own my own business and Mm -hmm. I have girlfriends who are my age in their mid-30s, mid-40s, some that are pregnant, some that have little kids, and they work for other people. So they're trying to wake up at 5 a.m., do all of their work for about five hours, hop on at 10 a.m. with their kids to do all of the schoolwork. Some are single moms who the kids are just at home. This is a lot and this is very overwhelming and this is very taxing. Yeah. You wrote the guide on self-compassion and getting out of your own way. What would you say to those women who, or men too, stay-at-home dads, who are just finding the other side of the spectrum right now that it's just so much? Well, look, I mean, it's a great question. It's a, it's... It's it's a hard question to answer because I think it does vary a bit. Look, on the one hand, here's one of the paradoxes, right? We are all in this together. We're all experiencing this same situation. We are experiencing it differently, though, to your point. And I think being able to acknowledge any of the privilege that we have or, wow, I'm so blessed. I've been talking to a lot of, you know, I do a lot of work with corporate teams and everyone's some version of complaining about the challenge of working from home, which is a challenge. And like, I've been trying to remind people respectfully you know, imagine if you worked at the Gap and the stores closed or the restaurant or whatever, right? Or imagine having little kids at home and you're a single mom and you got to still do your job remotely. And like, again, comparative suffering can be dangerous, but it's also important to have some perspective. That said, for people who are feeling really overwhelmed and having a hard time, the first thing that it's important to do is to acknowledge that that's okay. There's no right way to feel. And the feeling of overwhelm Um, which when we really break it down emotionally, isn't an actual feeling. It's a bunch of feelings that we have a hard time unpacking. So my advice always to people, myself included, is to really feel our feelings. Like see if we can sort out what are you actually feeling? Are you feeling scared? Are you feeling sad? Are you feeling angry? Right? I mean, really breaking it down because those are all really important, powerful emotions. And my belief in the work I've done over the years too is that I don't actually believe that emotions are bad and good. I think that there's expansive ones and more constrictive ones, but all of them, if we're willing to actually feel them, we can tap into the power of that emotion. As a former athlete, I know the power of fear and tapping into the fear and transforming it and really utilizing the fear in a positive direction. As someone who's gotten up and spoken in front of groups of people for the last 20 years, similarly, it's like people will look at me sometimes or come up to me after I speak and like, oh my God, it's amazing. You don't get scared. And I'm like, what are you nuts? Like I'm a human being. Of course I get scared. Like I was just standing up in front of 1500 people. Like how am I not going to feel like some nervousness about this? Yes. I like doing it. It's enjoyable to me, but I've also learned how to feel the fear and pull it into me and really feel it so that I can turn it around and move it out of me in a healthy and productive way, if you will. Yes. How do you do that? Because there are clients, do you ever have clients that they're like, okay, but how? Right. Yes. Well, I'll give you a couple of specific techniques that I use personally. So the first thing about fear, we'll just use fear as an example, and it literally could be any emotion, but to acknowledge the, the feeling. So like I do a technique, and this is a really simple one, but I've done it for years, right before I go out to speak or do anything that makes me nervous. 
what I do is that I often have a, a, a yellow legal pad because I keep notes on that. And I will take out a blank piece of paper and I will just write down all the things I'm scared about. And it's usually not like a hundred things. It's like eight, right? I'm scared I'm going to forget what I'm going to say. I'm scared they're going to all think I'm an idiot. I'm scared that I'm going to, you know, whatever, if, whatever it is about the thing that I'm going to do and, and get it out of my head. Because once I write it down, it's not as scary out on the piece of paper as it is in my head. And we think it's like 50, a thousand, whatever things. And you go, oh, those are the things, anything else. And it's like, I'm literally just emptying my mind and my heart with all of the thoughts. It's really more of a fear story than it is actual fear. Because once you get the story out, then it's like, okay, let me sit with the fear itself. And then I realized the fear is not that scary. It's just an emotion. So again, to get it out of your head, what are you afraid of? And then what I'll do is I will literally take the piece of paper and I will rip it up. If I'm sit, Sometimes I'm, I'm already sitting in the room, like I'll quietly crumple it. Some way of destroying it. What I'm doing is sending a message to my mind and to my subconscious mind, like, I'm destroying that or I'm, I'll throw it in the trash. I'll rip it up. Sometimes I'll even rip it up. If I, I'll go into the bathroom, flush it down the toilet. Like I'm literally trying to physically in some way remind myself, okay, that's there. That's real. And now I'm taking my power back from it by doing something with the fear. And then on the next piece of paper on the le- yellow legal pad, then I will write down how I want it to go. Right? So I'll just start writing words down, whatever that like I want, how I want to feel. I want to feel relaxed. I want to feel confident. I want to feel joyous, whatever it is, like creating that. And, and then for me, again, I often do this in the context of just think of this when I'm going to give a big speech in front of a lot of people, I will write down things like, who are these people for me? Meaning like I'm going to, in my mind, sort of create the relationship with the audience, even if I don't actually know them personally. So I'm going to relate to them as, you know, powerful, courageous, open, friendly, loving human beings. So I write that down, right? And then what's the outcome? So it's how I want to feel, who I'm talking to or who they are. Sometimes it's going into a meeting or a situation I'll do. And then what's the outcome? What do I want to come out of it? Not like I'm going to be attached to it, but if it goes really well, what's going to happen? And that technique that I learned years ago from a psychologist, a a sort of sports psychologist when I was playing baseball, I've transformed it into this really simple technique that I just call clearing out whatever it is. And again, sometimes it's anger, sometimes it's, it's sadness or whatever, but I'll just acknowledge it feel it, move it out, and then replace it. Because one of the things that sports psychologist said to me, because I would, I would say to her, I was a baseball player, I was a pitcher, right? And I would be on the mound and sometimes really negative thoughts would fly into my head. And it was hard for me to get them out of my head. And I would see myself giving up a three-run homer, or throwing the ball in the dirt, and then I would do it. After I'd see it, I'd do it. It was like, oh, powerful manifestation. And then I was like, what, what do I do with that? And she said, well, you have to literally acknowledge the negative thought move it out of the way and then replace it with something positive. Cause if you don't, it's just going to jump right back in. And that made sense to the 21 year old me at the time. I could do that. And all these years later at 46 years old, it's like, I still can do that, yes. <laughs> but we have to pay attention. Yes. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's so yeah. perfect. I want to talk about a couple of different things. You have such good advice and I feel like you have so much inspiration that you can give to people and you know business so mm-hmm. well. So for those who have lost an income, they've mm-hmm. lost their job. There are some families who both breadwinners have, they've lost two incomes. Yeah. So where they're at right now, and I know that there are some people listening who are in this spot, what would you say to them and where do they mm-hmm. start? It's hard. I mean, I, you know, first I would say I'm, (laughs) my heart goes out to you. I know that feeling. 
you know, we went during the, during the recession in 08, 09, 2010, we ended up in a really, really bad place financially. I mean, part of what it did for us, and I'll circle back around to answering your question specifically for us, it's shown a light on a lot of the dysfunction that we had with respect to money and, and the stuff we, we didn't really know how to handle. We were in some debt and we weren't really managing. We were spending just a little bit more than we were making. And then all of a sudden it was like the music stopped and there were no chairs. And Michelle and I both fell down, literally, because it was like I wasn't managing my... And so I didn't have an income from working for someone. I was running my own business, which is the same business I've had for the last 20 years, but I wasn't running it financially sound. And we weren't managing our finances in that way. And so for people who've lost their jobs, and most people who have jobs, for the most part, and just the nature of the world we live in and how expensive everything is, like, you know, if we're fortunate enough to make enough money and we have the discipline that we've worked it out, so we've saved some money and we have some reserves, wonderful. Not everybody's in that place. So, so one of the things, though, that I would say from going through our own financial challenge, and we were able to, after a lot of hard work, and a lot of coaching and feedback and a lot of tears and a lot of working through it, um, we got ourselves out of a really bad financial place and are in a place right now, I'll just, just as I'm sharing about it, that it's like, look, this thing is impacting my business like so many other people's to the point where like we're having to make some hard decisions about what we do and what we spend and what we don't and how we plan for how long this is going to last. And we're, we have no, nobody really knows. So that's a part of this that's, that's bizarre. We went from having a really, really strong economy to like overnight huge portions of the economy being turned off. I think the first thing we have to do though is have some compassion for ourselves and forgive ourselves because I wasted a ton of time and energy when we were going through our real financial difficulties with a lot of shame. Like I felt, especially as, as a man and as a husband and as a father and like trying to, and one of my biggest fears about getting married was like, what if I can't provide for this family? Uh, my father didn't really provide for our family for me growing up. So it was a, a real legitimate fear of what that might look like. And wasting a lot of time in shame and making ourselves wrong and judging ourselves for like, look, if you've lost your job, it's not your fault that you lost your job, right? The, the economy stopped and the company that you worked for decided they needed to make a decision and that sucks and that's hard and that's impacting you and your life and your family in a real way. But like, you didn't go out and like blow your life savings on doing something stupid. You just woke up and went to work and they said, sorry, you don't have a job anymore. So right? I mean, like, I think it's important. To, and, and simultaneously, you know, if we can stay out of a place of shame and judging ourselves, it can help us emotionally. But then there's also the practical reality of what am I going to do to make some money so that I can feed my family? And the second thing that I would say is also, you know, tap into your network, reach out to the people who can support you, not just financially, but emotionally. And remember that something a friend of mine said to me when I was going through that time, it also happened to coincide with my mom getting sick. And so here we were in a real difficult financial place and my mom was sick and I was afraid, right? Like she's sick, she's going to die, which is what seemed like what was going to happen and what did happen. And we're going through this really difficult time. My friend Theo was on the phone with me and he said, Mike, even though it may not seem like it right now, it's important to remember you have more than this requires. And I said, what? He said, you have more within you than this moment requires. He said, you know, you have made it through 100% of the challenges that you've faced in your life. There's no reason to believe that this one is going to bring you down, even though it may seem like it. And that's the thing is the present challenges that we face, we don't know for sure that we're going to get through them. That's what makes them hard and scary. Though everyone we've overcome, 
we know we got through that one because we overcame it, right? We got to this point. And as weird as it is, and I'm an eternal optimist and I don't like to focus on, I wrote a, literally wrote a book called Focus on the Good Stuff. But one of the things I think we can do when we're going through a tough time is to actually take inventory of the tough stuff that we've been through just to remind ourselves, you know what? I'm actually a badass, right? Like I actually have a lot of grit within me. I have a lot of resilience within me because I've made it through things. I can make it through this. And, you know, that's, uh, those are some things that I would say, but it's also okay to have moments where you just, you know, you want to fall down onto the floor in a pool of tears and just say, it's not fair. I can't handle it. Like I'll give yourself space to do that and then pick yourself up and dry your tears and brush yourself off and go, okay, what are we going to do next? <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I love that. Uh, well, thank you, Mike, so much for being on the show. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Your book is definitely going to be out when this is up. Um, they can find it on Amazon. I'm sure they can find it on Barnes & Noble, Borders. Yep. Uh, where can they find you if they want to learn more about you? Well, the best place is at our website, which is mike-robbins.com. And we actually did set up a special page for the book. It's mike-robbins.com forward slash together. So yeah, you can get the book from there, any links to places where you like to. And then when you come back to that page, there's uh, some free bonus material that we created in addition to what's in the book to kind of be a companion for that. So that's the best place. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for being on the show. And everybody, check out his new book, We're All In This Together. Friends, if you'd like to hear from your angels and loved ones on the other side, book a one-on-one -on -one session via phone, FaceTime, or Zoom. You can also work with me one-on-one -on -one when you register to take the Angel Reiki School online to develop and use your own unique spiritual gifts. If you're just looking to be able to connect with your own personal angels, the Angel Communication online course will teach you how to hear, feel, and connect with your personal angels more clearly. Friends, if you get benefit from this podcast, please subscribe, rate us five stars, and ask a friend to listen. Don't forget to look in the show notes to see the winner of this month's free drawing. You're entered into the drawing when you write a five-star positive review and email it over to us so that we know how to contact you when you win. Now, if you have time, I want you to pause and do some energy work with me for a moment to lighten, clear, and reset your own energy. To start, I want you to take two deep breaths. Deep breath in. Deep breath out. Deep breath in, deep breath out. Friends, as I walk you through this, I want you to use your imagination as an energy tool. Friends, your imagination isn't something that's not real. Your imagination is what every human being uses to create physical reality. How does a painter know what to paint? How does a sculptor know what to sculpt? How does a writer know what to write? They see it all within their mind, within the imagination, before it flows through them and is created within physical reality. Friends, I want you to start by seeing yourself surrounded by thousands of angels. These are all angels that work directly for God and they circle around you. They have this light, airy, warm, yummy presence to them. 
And my friends, they are simply pure love and they radiate their love from their being to yours. I want you to take a moment to just breathe deeply in and out as you see and feel the presence of all of these angels surrounding you, sending their love and light energy to you. Friends, next, I want you to see yourself surrounded by your loved ones on the other side. Your angels haven't gone anywhere. They're still right there, but now steps in your loved ones on the other side. Greet them. Welcome them. Take a moment within your imagination to give them the biggest hug and kiss. Friends, as we do this healing work together, I want you to see that every single being that is surrounding you is just surrounding you because they are connected to God and they want to help you as a soul here on earth to lift your energy, to make it lighter, to take any heaviness out of your aura, chakras, and body. In order for them to help you with this, what I want you to do is voice to them. See yourself in your imagination telling your angels, your loved ones on the other side, God energy of course is there too. Tell them what you are afraid of. I want you to be specific and explain your fears to them now. Now, friends, I want you to see your loved ones and angels on the other side comforting you, holding you, wiping away your tears. I want you to see them telling you that you're going to be okay. Your family is going to be okay. I want you to see them showing you in their way from the other side that they are there helping you every step of the way. 
and that they will never, ever leave your side. Friends, I want you to see or feel God energy, this pure white radiant light pouring down from above over you. And as you feel this pure love and light, this gentle waterfall just pouring over your head, filling your body, filling your auric field to the outside of you, filling every inch of your being around you. I want you to feel that as this light energy comes in, the highest vibration that is as it gently pours into your being, I want you to feel how all the heaviness within you just releases. With the snap of your finger, God takes every ounce of heavy, low vibrational energy within you. And with that snap of the finger, God turns all of it into the highest vibration, love, light energy. Friends, I want you to imagine within your imagination your DNA strand. Now the way that spirit shows me the DNA and what it looks like is if you could imagine that double helix and that within that double helix are millions or billions of doors and windows. And those doors and windows open and close and as they do, some serve your highest health and good some do not. What I want you to do is say this prayer with me. My friends, this energy work does not have to take a lot of time. You're going to hear me say, use the snap of your fingers because within that snap of the fingers, your intention shifts the energy within your body. So you can say it, but please believe it. Know like you know like you know within your heart that you are changing the energy, the frequency within you to be pure, complete health. So say this little prayer with me now. God, please close all the doors and windows to my DNA that don't serve my highest health. With a snap of your fingers, see those doors and windows close. And God, please open all the doors and windows to my DNA that do serve my highest health. See those doors and windows open with a snap of your fingers. What I want you to do now is see yourself healthier than ever come September of this year. Daydream, visualize about what that health looks like and feels like to you within your body come September of this year. Take a moment to do this work right now and I'll come back to you with my voice in one minute.
Friends, I want you to believe like you believe like you believe that you, your family, your friends, you are protected. You are safe. You are secure. Your angels are looking out for you. God is looking out for you. Your loved ones are looking out for you. See yourself as healthier than ever come September of this year. Now I want you to pray with me for a moment for everyone else. God, please protect our nurses, doctors, and all healthcare professionals around the world. God, may you give each of them strength and protect them. God, please also protect all people who work in grocery stores, food service, or delivery. God, may you give each of them the strength and protection that they need. For all people who are suffering from COVID-19 themselves, God, may you take care of them and heal all who are able to be healed. Surround them with your divine protection. Surround them with angels and help every cell within their body to become completely 100% healthy again. God, for every person who has lost a job or had their income reduced, please clearly show them the path to healing, safety, security. Whisper to them in their hearts the direction that you would have them go. God, for every child on this planet, please help them to receive the attention, love, nurturing, and care that they so desperately need. God, please surround them with angels and allow them to feel the divine presence of your love and warmth. For those filled with hatred, God, we ask you to transmute that hate within their hearts into love energy, and we ask you to open up their hearts to make shifts and positive changes to help them raise their vibration. And everyone who is helping with the COVID-19 effort or response in some way, God, please be with each person who needs your strength. Clearly guide them and protect them with whatever they need at this time. Friends, finally, I want you to visualize Thanksgiving of this year. I want you to take a moment of silence to experience this daydream within your mind. See every single family member and friend and loved one there at the dinner table. See them happy, healthy. Feel the gratitude of this Thanksgiving beyond any other Thanksgiving in the past. Gratitude for being all together. Gratitude for all being healthy. Gratitude for the lessons learned. Gratitude for the relationships that grew deeper and the love that is between you all. Again, my friends, see your spirit team on the other side telling you that you are going to be okay. See them helping you. My friends, God loves you. Your spirit team loves you. I love you. Open up your heart like French doors to all of the unexpected blessings that they're trying to bring into your life right now. May you go forth with your day feeling lighter, and living in the high vibration that is God. Go forth in your day, surrounded by angels and your spirit team on the other side protecting you. Allow yourself to just be. Allow yourself to live in the high vibrational frequency that is God and carry it with you throughout your day. Friends, I have to have a disclaimer at the end. This podcast is to educate, inspire, and entertain you on your personal journey towards health and happiness. 
It is not intended to replace care best provided by qualified professionals, and it is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment.